Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by lead pastor Dave Ferguson as we kick off the series, The World Turned Upside Down. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Merry Christmas, community. It's that time of year. Twinkly lights, Christmas carols, and festive sweaters that should never be worn in public. And of course, Christmas shopping. Let me ask you something, and you can type your response in the chat. How many of you have started your Christmas shopping? And if you have, you can just put, type in there, started. Uh, how many of you have already finished? I talked to one person who's finished their Christmas shopping. Just type in finished. Or maybe some of you ought to just put a question mark because you're going like, Christmas shopping? It's not even Christmas Eve yet. <laughs> My problem is not procrastination. Amazon.com solved that for me years ago. My bigger problem is keeping track of the gifts and not losing my gifts. See, see, the primary person I buy for is my wife, Sue. And Sue takes the lead on all the rest of our Christmas shopping. And when I say takes the lead, that means she does it all. So when she tells me she wants something for Christmas, I find it online, I order it, the package shows up at my house, and then I hide it in a secret place so she can't find it. Only one problem. Sometimes I hide them too well. Last year on Christmas Eve, I'm wrapping gifts. and I looked and looked and looked for a few items I bought Sue. Just couldn't find them. I mean, they were like totally lost, vanished. Couldn't find them anywhere. Well, since she didn't know, I don't say anything. I think it was about February when Sue's cleaning out one of our closets and she yells, Hey, Dave, come here. I just found three Amazon packages. I walk over and just kind of smile and say, Merry Christmas. I think that's a good setup for where we're going in our new Christmas series, The World Turned Upside Down. See, Christmas is really a story of God turning the world upside down in his search for what is lost and trying to find it. The Christmas story is all about this theological term, the incarnation. The incarnation is about a God who loved us so much that when he saw how far we were wandering from him and all the good things he wanted for us, he took the initiative and came to earth himself just to be with us. And in Matthew chapter one, verse 23, it reminds us that Jesus is named Emmanuel and Emmanuel means God come to be with us. And then Jesus describes his heaven to earth mission as this, to seek and to save the lost. And we, we see this theme of seeking and saving the lost all throughout Jesus' teaching. For example, in the gospel of Luke, Jesus invites this group of people that are listening to him just to imagine that they're a shepherd. Imagine they're a shepherd with a flock of a hundred sheep and one of the sheep goes missing. And he asks, what would a shepherd do? And then Jesus reminds them what they all knew, that a good shepherd would leave the 99 sheep in the open country behind and go and search out that one missing sheep. And when that sheep is found, they would celebrate its return. Now, in case they missed the point, Jesus goes on to tell a second story, this time about a woman who has 10 coins. Each coin is worth about a day's wages. She loses one. And Jesus rhetorically asks the crowd, won't she turn the lights on looking for it? Won't she sweep the whole house and search the missing coin? Of course she would. She searches and searches and searches until she finds it. See, a significant and recurring theme in Jesus' teaching was this, lost things matter. Lost things matter. 
and therefore they have to be found. And how much more they matter when those who are lost are people. There was one particular interaction that just shows how passionate Jesus was about the seek and save mission. The interaction was with a man named Zacchaeus who lived in a town called Jericho. Now, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, actually uh, the chief tax collector. So in a time when Jericho was occupied by the Roman Empire, the people who lived in Jericho, including the Jewish people, were required to pay an extraordinarily exorbitant tax rate to the Romans. So Zacchaeus, the one who collected the tax, is considered an evil ally with this oppressive Roman regime. Well, the TLDR, this version of it anyways, no one likes Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus represents all the things that Jewish people want freedom from. So what happens? <laughs> Enter Jesus. Jesus approaches this town where Zacchaeus lives. News of his arrival precedes him. The town is buzzing about him coming to Jericho. Zacchaeus had heard the news about Jesus. He was intrigued by this just incredible teacher. So what he does is he climbs a tree to get a good look at Jesus above the growing crowds. Luke tells the story. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down, Zacchaeus came down and at once welcomed Jesus gladly. All right, I love this part of the story because Jesus sees Zacchaeus, right? Up in the tree. Jesus stops. He invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. This is such an unexpected interaction. First, because people back then, like today, you don't invite yourself over to someone else's house. Secondly, Jesus is a rabbi, a holy man, and Zacchaeus was considered a sinner. And finally, Jesus was Jewish, and he would have seen Zacchaeus as this collaborator with the enemy. So all of this is very atypical. But despite that, Zacchaeus welcomes Jesus into his home with enthusiasm. But here's what's happened. Jesus found Zacchaeus. Here's the thing. I was thinking about this. I doubt if Zacchaeus even realized he was lost. Let me repeat that again. Jesus found Zacchaeus, but I doubt if Zacchaeus even fully realized he was lost. There was a story in the news a while back about a woman who was reported missing during a bus tour excursion to see a volcanic canyon in Iceland. Now the bus driver was responsible to account for everyone who left the bus to return to the bus. So after waiting an hour for everyone to return, one specific woman was missing. So the bus driver did what they were trained to do, notified the police that a woman was missing and a full search and rescue party was organized to go out and find her. Teams of volunteers search and search and search. But the search party was called off about 12 hours in when they realized that the lost woman was actually in the search party. In a case of miscommunication, the woman didn't realize that she was the one they were all looking for. Which makes me wonder, is it possible that we can be lost and not even realize it? Is it possible we might even be in the search party and still be the one that today God is looking for? I want you to ask yourself, what does it mean 
to be lost. What kind of people is Jesus looking for when he said he came to seek and save the lost? It might or might not be exactly who you think. I'll tell you, let me explain using these images. Now, I think for many of us, when we hear Christians, like in a setting like this, talk about people being lost, we think of an image of, that's something like this image. The Christians, the ones who are found or saved, are on the inside of the circle, while those who are still lost are on the outside of the circle. And the circle represents a very real decision that we make to become a Christian, a certain belief that we agree to. Now, now this diagram is probably really what I believed well into young adulthood. And this is a concept that still comes to mind for many of us when they hear Christians talking about the lost. But this diagram really only shows kind of like who's going to heaven or not. And here's the thing, Jesus imagines he wants more, more than that for you. What if this diagram is actually a more accurate way of thinking about what Jesus had in mind when he said he came to seek and save the lost? That the found are those who are moving closer to Jesus. And the lost are those who are moving farther from Jesus. And what if the lost is actually the description of anyone, like like the people in red, who are moving away from the person, priorities, and practices of Jesus? And what if those who are found are the people, like in purple, that are moving toward the person, priorities, and practices of Jesus? This changes the whole idea of Jesus' mission to seek and save the lost, doesn't it? That it's more about the direction your life is moving than merely a one-time decision. And I believe this is truer to what we see in the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was lost because his life, it was off track from the person, priorities, and practices of Jesus. So Jesus sought him out, right? And helped him reorient his entire life. And as the story progresses, Zacchaeus demonstrates this radical reorientation that he experienced. I mean, his world is turned upside down. In fact, he stands up at this dinner that Jesus invited himself to and he announces to everybody there, including Jesus, he says, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody of anything, I'll pay him back four times the amount. And this pledge, it goes well beyond what the law required of repayment for anybody that was a thief. It's Bible scholar Craig Keener. He describes Zacchaeus' sudden change of heart this way. He says, in ancient accounts of discipleship, a radical response with possessions was a certain sign of a newly acquired devotion to the teacher. What we see here really is it's repentance, this total reversal in the trajectory of Zacchaeus' life. I mean, before Zacchaeus was moving away from Jesus, and now he's moving in a completely different direction towards Jesus. And notice what happens next. Jesus confirms all this. He says, today salvation has come to this house because this man too, talking about Zacchaeus, is a son of Abraham. He's receiving the blessing for the son of man. He states the mission here, is to seek and save the lost. Jesus sees the change in Zacchaeus. And based on this new trajectory of his life, he declares that he now has salvation. He's now a Christ follower. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And that's exactly what happened for Zacchaeus.
See, lost can be a description of anybody who, who is moving away from the person, priorities, and practices of Jesus. And when we truly understand the story of Zacchaeus, we start to think of lost differently. I mean, what might come to mind might be a friend or family member or neighbor who is far from God and you want them to find their way back to God because you also believe, you now know that lost things, lost people matter. Or maybe you're listening to this and you realize, I'm like Zacchaeus. I'm curious and I think I might be spiritually lost. Like Zacchaeus, you're listening with curiosity about what it would mean for you to find your way back to God. And I want you to know, I am so glad you're searching. We want to help. Or there could be those of us who've been people of faith for some time. But now you suddenly find yourself thinking, I think I've been lost and maybe without knowing it. I mean, yeah, I'm going to heaven, but that's not what we're talking about. Because when you examine the person, priorities, and practices of Jesus, you're beginning to realize that I'm actually wandering farther away from that. You're, you're like, some of my Christmas gifts, you know, I discover they're lost and I didn't even know it. There are lots of ways we can find ourselves lost today. Some of us are lost and we know it. And some of us are lost and we don't know it. See, we are lost anytime we're moving away from the person and priorities and practices of Jesus. In fact, I would say, I think it's possible for a whole culture to be lost and not know it. We can put in God we trust on our money and we can claim to be founded on Christian principles. But if we look around and realize that we are as a whole moving away from the person, priorities and practices of Jesus, we're lost. But here's the deal. Here's the good news for you and for me and for all of us. Jesus wants to find us. Christmas is all about God showing up in Jesus to make sure that all of the lost are found. And being found and following Jesus is moving. And this is key, is moving. You're getting this closer and closer to the person, priorities, and practices of Jesus. Now, when I talk about the person of Jesus, it starts with a clear declaration that you want to draw close to him and you want to follow the person of Jesus. That happens by being baptized. And if you haven't done that, I'm encouraging you want to do that. And then weekly, we take communion to make that declaration. I'm following the person of Jesus, the priorities of Jesus. That means that you make your priorities, um, what are his priorities? And when he says his priority is that God's kingdom come, God's will be done on earth as it's in heaven, then you make that your priority. God's kingdom come. I want to see God's will be done on earth as it's in heaven. You live for that. And then the practice of Jesus. Daily, you begin to put into practice what Jesus practiced, practiced like loving others or the Sabbath, or times of solitude, or like we saw what happened with Zacchaeus, generosity. Remember the stories I told you earlier that came from Jesus' teaching? First, the shepherd who leaves the 99 to find the one lost sheep. Then the woman who turns her house upside down to find that lost coin. There's a third story Jesus tells to make his point. It's often referred to as the greatest story in all of literature. It's about a man who had two sons. The younger son told his father he was ready to leave home. He wanted his fair share of the estate now. This was an unheard of and kind of greedy request. But the father accommodated and he gave it to him. So the son sets off for a distant country. 
He wastes every penny of his inheritance. In fact, the text says he blew his wealth on wild living. Just let your imagination fill in the blanks. Wild living. He's moving towards lostness. Notice, still a son, but lost. He ends up broken all alone. He finds a job feeding pigs. He becomes so hungry and so desperate, he wants to eat what the pigs are being fed. And at his lowest of lows, he remembers that even his father, his father had servants that had real meals to eat. So he decides to return home, hoping at least to become a servant in his father's house. But while he's still a long way off, his father sees him coming back. And I'll tell you, I, I love this part of the story. The father sees him and the father runs, full on sprint, runs to him. And remember, the father in the story represents God. And the father, when, when he finally gets to the son and the son gets to him, the father throws his arms around his son and just blankets him with kisses. The son had prepared this apologetic speech, but he only gets partway through it. He says to the father, he says, hey, I, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father says to the servant, notice the father just cuts him off. The father's not having any of it. He says to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his fingers, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf. Let's kill it. Let's have a feast. Let's celebrate. For my son, okay, the son of mine, he was dead and is now alive. He was lost and now is found. And they began to celebrate. Hear me on this. I don't know what you've done. You know, God knows. Or what you haven't done. You and God know. That have you been lost. But that's a picture of our God. A God who runs to welcome us when we decide we want to come back home. And I'm telling you, it is never too late to find your way back to God. You can always come home. You can always, today, return to the Father. I recently heard an amazing story about an invitation to come home on the This American Life podcast. They told a story about a marketing executive named Jose Miguel Sokoloff, a Colombian, a native of the country of Colombia. Their country had been in an internal war for over 50 years. Imagine this, resulting in 220,000 deaths, causing more than 5 million people to be displaced. Just, I mean, Tragedy upon tragedy, year after year. Well, the government of Colombia approached Sokolov with an interesting opportunity. They wanted him to run a marketing campaign to convince young leftist guerrilla rebels to demobilize, basically to quit fighting and reenter society, essentially come back home. So in December of 2010, Sokolov launched a marketing campaign called Operation Christmas. At nine strategic places in the jungle where the rebels were known to travel, they strung hundreds of Christmas tree lights on 75-foot-tall trees. Imagine this. And when the rebels walked by, a motion sensor set off lights and a recorded message played saying this, if Christmas can come to the jungle, then you can come home. And amazingly, several hundred rebels put down their guns and returned home. The next year, they ran a similar campaign titled Operation Rivers of Light. The firm filled over 7,000 translucent 
plastic balls with small gifts and heartwarming notes inviting the rebels to come back home and they actually placed them in the river. The rebels traveling by river saw the balls lit up, floating on the river, coming towards them. <laughs> they, they couldn't resist. They opened the balls, received the gifts, read the notes. They were so moved that again, more rebels quit fighting and returned home. Then in 2012, the marketing agency ran a campaign called Operation Bethlehem. This time they shined huge skylights up in the night air, displaying a message that said, this Christmas, follow the light and it will guide you to your family and your freedom. And once again, hundreds of rebels stopped their fighting and came back home. I love that story because that's what Christmas is. It's God's campaign that he started 2000 years ago and every year since proclaiming to any of us, all of us, me and you, any of us that are lost, come on back home. Let me be very clear. If you're feeling lost, it is not a coincidence that you're listening to this message. Right this moment, this is God reaching out specifically to you, saying, come on home, come back to me. And if today you're ready to find your way back to God for the first time or yet again, here's what I want you to do. It starts with a clear declaration that you want to draw close and follow the person of Jesus. For the first time, that happens by being baptized. If you've never done that, you, you can go to communitychristian.info where you can find information about our online baptism class or you can just sign up to be baptized. And that happens every week when we take communion together. You make that declaration and you continue following Jesus by making his priorities your priorities. And then on a daily basis, you become more like Jesus by putting into practice what Jesus put into practice. It's that simple and that challenging. And here's the deal, for all of us, for all of us, God has enrolled us in his campaign to seek and save those who are lost this Christmas. And there are particular people that God has intentionally put in your life right now who are hurting, who are lonely, who are anxious, just lost. I, I, I'm gonna ask you, I want you to bring them to mind right now. Family members, friends, and you describe their life as lost. Neighbors and coworkers, that are lost. And what God wants, God wants you to bless them. He wants you to include them in your life and invite them into our, our, our community at any of our Christmas events. See, see, it's all a part of God's Christmas campaign to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray. Father God, help us to see beyond all the public displays and the decorations and festivities to also see what Christmas really is. It's your heart for, 
for us. It's your heart for all of us that are lost, that you want us to be found. And Lord, for every one of us, help us to just begin to reorient our lives, either for the first time or once again, towards following after the person and the priorities and the practices of Jesus. And Lord, for every person you put in our life that we, we, can, we can just by observation and because we know them and we're friends and family members and neighbors and coworkers, we know they're lost. Help us to know how we can be a part of your campaign. Because we know you're seeking them and you want to save them. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.